Welcome to the Drawn to Scale podcast. I'm your host, Pablo Cortez. And I'm Analicia Gomez. Today, we have George Gomez. George is a designer, a muralist, and owner of The Money Studio. Um, in addition to building brand strategies and identities, The Money Studio creates work that advocates for positive changes within the inner city communities of Los Angeles. Um, George, thanks for taking the time and joining us. Oh, thanks, both of you, uh, for having me. Yeah, I think uh, maybe if we want to start off a little bit with uh, giving us sort of like a rundown about what the Money Studio services and processes. Yeah, um, we're based in Inglewood, and this is where I grew up. That's where I currently live, and everyone in LA knows that this is also where SoFi Stadium is being built. Um, with all of that going on, there's a bunch of new business opportunities going on, but at the same time, there's also a lot of um, home displacement happening and gentrification as well. So we decided to shift our focus to service minority-owned businesses that are experiencing the rapid cultural and economic change in the city. Um, we do that with helping them um, identify their goals and their challenges, and um, through building their brand strategies and also their identities. Um, unlike other studios, we um, we deliver high quality work with through our collaborative process without disrupting their cultural roots. It's interesting you put it that way because you, you don't think about how, I mean, obviously when any, any gentrification, it starts to change things in those neighborhoods, right? But then you gotta think about how those, how those existing companies um, react, right? And I think, having someone on board like you help them to kind of i don't know if the the modernizing is the right term but at, at least getting their sort of um brand and awareness uh work a little more with whatever else is changing around them right yeah because i mean i feel like a lot of these mom and pop places they're you know just dealing with operations and you know working the stores themselves and they're not caught up in you know making that instagram worthy experience and I think that's like that missing piece when you get, you know, you may offer the same services as the place next door, but they have the flashier branding and the flashier, you know, logo. And so people naturally kind of walk into that other one that looks like because we've almost tied that branding and identity and that kind of streamline with um, almost like business legitimacy almost. So, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, trying to help them build trust with the community because, I mean, funny enough, with everybody moving into the city, they they love what's already there. They love the mom and pop shops. And once they're gone, that they get forced out or shut down or bought out, those are the things they missed. Yeah, yeah, because that's the, one of the, I mean, I'm sure one of the reasons you move into a specific neighborhood is because of those shops and stores, right, that you have either easy access to or those are you know, the types of places that you like to um to uh, to visit um can we uh talk a little bit about your i think maybe this kind of ties into all that your uh the money studio has has had uh, maybe currently a couple of awareness campaigns that you've uh, that you've done um like uh, nomas bebes and esfuerza campaigns um can you talk a little bit about that and how you got into that um sort of space and, and how that's working out for you guys yeah so um Sometime back, I designed the logo for the Nomas Bebez film, um, which actually covered the sterilization of women, illegal sterilization of women, uh, 
over at the USC hospital back in the 60s. And it covers what happened then and how the women deal with it now and how a lot of them found out later. Um, that was, um, I don't know, a, a real eye-opener for me in my instance, just simply because I didn't know about this. And yet it's something that I feel like I talk to, uh, you speak, speak to a lot of Latinos, they, they probably don't know about that issue that happened. And um, it that's one of the projects that made me kind of fall in line with what I'm doing now, where I wanted to be somehow involved, you know, with giving these people a voice um, within our community that they, they deserve it. You know, something tragic happened to them and nobody was really speaking on it. Uh, media wasn't really speaking on it. They don't speak on it now. Um, so being offered to kind of let my skill set to really make that happen was really great. Um, and fast forward to what we did recently um, with Nuestra Esfuerza Gana La Pelea posters. Um, we always wanted to kind of create merch, create product um, that we love and felt true to. But at the same time, um, we were never really about the profit aspect of it. Um, from a business standpoint, it's probably terrible. Like everybody would not recommend that you do that. Um, but from our activist standpoint of view, um, it only felt right that whatever we create, that we push all the profits to go towards a bigger cause. And in this instant for these posters, we um, donated the money to Border Angels, specifically to their water drop program, where every weekend they go off into the desert near the border and leave supplies for any migrants that might be crossing the border and getting stuck in the desert um, that run out of water, food, first aid, whatever the case may be. Um, and we we felt um, compelled to do this, like, like this is what we need to do. And... We shouldn't just talk about it. We got to figure out a way to be about it. And, you know, living all the way out here, it, it was kind of a difficult task with managing work and having to drive out to San Diego and then off into the desert um, every weekend. So we had to figure out a better way to do that. And um, that campaign campaign was great. Um, we, we never told Border Angels about it. We just went ahead, did it. And once the ball started rolling, um, they were on board about it and they started promoting it themselves and everything worked out pretty great. Can you talk a little bit about your views on that work, the, the mural work and, and how that, some of the effects that you see um, in those communities where it goes up and, and the public realm in general? Yeah, I mean, now it's the painting murals is the trendy thing to do. Designers hopped on the trend probably little under 10 years ago probably or around 10 years ago they figured uh, lettering became a thing again and after people got tired of just doing it on paper on computers they revived the trade of sign painting which it's a great thing it was a long lost art and then that pushed people to move forward with building out murals street art got a whole different credibility to it and there's a lot of great things to that more arts going up art's always a great thing as far as you know most artists are painting things that are positive you know reflective to our society and not so much um 
negative things going up on the walls and whatnot. And the negative thing to it, I would say, is just that some of these artists that are painting and, you know, per se, I'm going to use where I'm from, for example, in just L.A. You know, it was great to see Echo Park and downtown L.A. and whatever get covered in murals. But then there was a weird displacement amongst artists where they were getting out-of-town artists to come painting these cities and by all means I'm, I'm part of the graffiti culture and right off the bat that doesn't sit right with graffiti artists that are from that neighborhood that have probably strived to try to get a mural in the city and they probably successfully painted one and then the city came and erased it but now that a more established artist with probably a agent or um, advertising company that hired them out has the money and the funding to go out of, and connections to go out of their way and get permitting, pay for all that stuff and supplies and whatnot. Um, they just come and do it. And it kind of seems like a slap in the face for a lot of locals. I know it's happened to me. I've painted a handful of murals where I put in all my hard work and money into it. And, you know, time is money. You know, I spent two weeks on that mural after work and I'm working into the nights in these parts of LA where it's not safe to be doing that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mural rides for about a week and then it gets erased. Like it doesn't, it didn't mean anything to the city. And it, but it meant everything, not only to me, but also to the neighborhood uh, because I'm not the only artist that approaches murals the way I do. I like to engage with the community. If I'm not from that neighborhood, uh, I'm going to talk to the people in the neighborhood. I'm going to learn a few things about that neighborhood prior to painting whatever's up there and try to get them involved. Because the more involved I get the community, chances are they're the ones going to be taking care of it. Because once I'm gone, like I I'm not going to be there 24-7. They are, though. And they stand by it and they take pride in it, especially when you involve them. So how did you get involved in like graffiti and mural art and all of that stuff? Um, art's just always kind of been in my family. My dad's an artist. And when I was a kid, I would just watch him paint canvases of my favorite cartoons. And he would do them down to the very last detail. And it always amazed me. And so growing up, I was always, uh, I guess I was a, a shy kid. I'm an introvert. So I was just... Um, in group projects, I would just volunteer myself to take care of any artwork. I didn't want to do any public speaking whatsoever. And then just fast forward to fifth grade, um, I saw a one of my classmates was doing graffiti in class. He had it on his notebook, and I just I just thought it was amazing. I, I don't know what about it really caught my attention. And when I asked him, "What does that say?" He told me my name, and he told me that his uncle, who was a prominent graffiti writer in my neighborhood. Uh, did it for him I was I, all I told him was sketch my name and after that like that was it for me I just copied it over and over and over um, and that was in fifth grade I didn't really know what graffiti was I thought it was gang affiliated so that's all that was really in my neighborhood at the time like in the 2000s so in my neighborhood it's either you're kind of like a blood or you're from a Mexican gang and so that's what I associated with and I kept it a, a secret up until I was in high school and I met a kid who just grew up strictly under the graffiti culture and he explained to me like no you know graffiti is its own separate subculture um this is where it comes from kind of gave me the basics and 
I've always kind of been a nerd for whatever I end up doing. I just dive deep into the subject and try to go to Barnes and Nobles and read as many free books as I could on, on the subject. Yeah, that was as, as a kid and it didn't take long before I got in trouble for it. Um, probably like a year later, I was already embedded in the culture and out there doing illegal graffiti and I got in trouble for it. So, you know, most people at that point, they quit. They, they don't want to accept the repercussions, but I didn't. Instead, I kind of um, try to find a workaround to the to the system. And that's what pushed me to do more legal murals, because like I said, I've always been fascinated by art. It wasn't just kind of like the tagging aspect of graffiti that caught my attention. I also knew that I could take it beyond that. With the like the more legal murals and, you know, making sure you have the insurance and all of that stuff um, that the government's and uh, business owners usually want to check off their list. Like, what type of reactions have you seen from them? I mean, obviously, you—it's been a definitely positive wave in the movement. But, like, how have you seen it impact them specifically, or the businesses, or in the communities? When you deal with people in the inner city communities, I, I guess everywhere you have the good and bad. You you have the people that associate graffiti work with negativity. I mean, they they have the same aspect that I had when I was a kid, which is it's a uh, gang oriented. And it's probably going to bring more negative stuff to their business than positive. But the thing that design really helped me with was I, I quit graffiti for a while. Like I just it's not that I quit. I just didn't have the time to do it because I started focusing in on my career and I really went full speed on it. And I wanted to learn everything about a whole new subject, which was design. When I did that uh for a huge part of it um whether i was working in advertising or freelancing bidding was a huge thing so presentation was everything uh it, it wasn't just uh visuals it's also your verbal presentation so i learned to talk to people i learned how to convince people you know of how to get my artwork up on their wall and what the benefits are and not shying away from what the negative things might be like getting it tagged on or that's probably the worst thing that could get happen and um you know, so within the inner city community, it's a little bit easier, especially when you get the community involved. And it's not just the business owner who you're trying to convince. You convince the neighbors and anybody who walks that block every day. And then that's and that's usually like I do those murals for free. Like I, I rarely get paid. I don't ask for any money either because I know that they're probably barely making ends meet. But if I can go ahead and use up some of my paint from my storage and do something nice, I'll, I'll do it, you know? Um, and then you have the other, I don't know, I guess in my neighborhood, since it is getting gentrified, it's funny that we're talking about this. I had a meeting with a client uh, last, well, potential lead, and he has a building that's facing the 405, and it's at a high visible spot. And his building always gets tagged up. Like, there's just no respect for it. And it's been like that since the 90s. Since I was a kid, I remember that wall getting tagged up. Um, and the only thing that would stop the building from getting tagged up was if a prominent graffiti writer did something nice on it. And then it wouldn't get touched. And it wouldn't get touched until the city came and erased it. And then the, the trash graffiti would come and then they, they just, it was nonstop. So now... I saw that as an opportunity. I went to go talk to him and he was um, over the phone. He was very optimistic. He's like, yes, uh, I think that'd be great. You know, let's talk. Um, I want to hear you out. And when we got there, he kind of tried to take the steering wheel and right away try to kind of turn it into a free 
advertising opportunity and I mean I get it from a business standpoint yeah you, you probably want to have your your business name up there big so everybody can read it especially off the 405 I don't know how many people get stuck in traffic every day um, but the other thing too is that right away I could tell that he has no appreciation for art or design so he was thinking that I could cover his 20 by 30 foot building for about $800 and because my because it would be me doing it um, and I I've kind of built a certain reputation within the graffiti culture especially in my neighborhood um, that it wouldn't get tagged on or anything and I kind of had to sit there and explain I was like you know what this has turned into a business venture and at this point I'm gonna have to charge you you know business prices and it's not gonna be $800 you know we're probably gonna do 20,000 minimum and he really looked at me like I was crazy because he had looked at my work and he's like well how much did you charge these people I was like nothing I was like but those people let me paint what I felt was best for the neighborhood and their business they didn't have me just you know paint whatever their crazy ideas were up on the wall because he pretty much had nothing but crazy ideas on his that he wanted painted on his business you know i was going through some of your murals and stuff like that and the one that struck me the most was the infinite roses one and so do you have a backstory on like how that design came to be and that that seems to be kind of like your signature a little <laughs> bit yeah um it came from my partner Susie. Uh, shout out to her. It's her birthday today. Oh, um, happy birthday. <laughs> but initially, um, I don't really write my pseudo name too often. I rather prefer to write hers, I think, because her name carries some of my favorite letters. And um, so I'm, I'm always stuck just writing her name over and over and over on my uh, sketchbooks and whatnot, even scrap pieces of paper. And one day... Um, it kind of it just happened by accident uh, she loves the way I, I write in cursive so she was just there watching me write her name and I did a lowercase s and then I just kind of kept going and it it turned out to be this flower pattern and we both kind of had this aha moment on the spot and you know we it didn't stop there um, we kind of kept doing it everywhere on canvases one of our favorite things to do together is to pick up a canvas and she picks out her favorite colors and we blend them all together and then I she uh, she was the one that was like cool um well what else do we do with this blank canvas she's like I think you should cover it you should just do your outlines of your infinite roses on top of it and that was like another aha moment like oh wow like we just the pattern just keeps growing and now we could do this on buildings or whatever the case might be you know clothing or whatnot and so that's that was the next step after that um the next opportunity we got to paint a building we i brought her along with me and she did all the color blending and then i just outlined the, the entire building with the roses and it, it's kind of been like like you said it became kind of like this signature thing that we do now or that i do every moment and it kind of just like it, it signifies our relationship but at the same time it's a it's one steady line so we call them our infinite roses for that reason that it's one line it has no beginning no end and you could keep going and make it as intricate as you want and and yeah that's that's where it comes from well that's really awesome and happy birthday to susie yeah <laughs> george is there anywhere that um people can actually see your work um maybe we can include some uh, information in the show notes 
Yeah, just uh, either check out my website, www.themoneystudio.com, or I'm on Instagram, uh, the money studio, at the money studio, which is periods in between. Cool. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll include those in the show notes to have people uh, head on over and check out some of your work. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, George. Uh, hey, man, thanks again for taking the time to join us for this episode. Um, of course. We'll let you. We'll let you get back to uh, to celebrate Susie's birthday. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George. Thanks again, man. All right, man. Thank Take you. care.